for their faithfulness in coming, their love for the Lord, and making sure that I sound okay, too, and that you guys can see me that are watching online cooking your foods for tomorrow, you know, or, or whatever you're doing. I don't know what you're doing right now. Uh, we're in the book of Ezekiel, chapter uh, 40. Uh, we are in one of these sections in the Bible that um, confused many, many people. Uh, this is a nine-chapter section that uh, is very, very detailed. And I'm sure, you know, those of you that have been faithfully coming uh, know how detailed uh, Ezekiel gets. He gets to see the Millennial Kingdom temple not only in its glory, but in its detail as well. Uh, we've got to see a little glimpse into it last week. We'll read just... Uh, the first uh, nine verses here. It says, On April 22nd, during the 25th year of our captivity, 14 years after the fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me. In a vision from God, He took me to the land of Israel and set me down on a very high mountain. From there I could see toward the south what appeared to be a city. And as he brought me near, I saw a man whose face shone like bronze standing beside a gateway entrance. He was holding in his hand a linen measuring rod and a, me and a measuring rod. He said to me, son of man, watch and listen. Pay close attention to everything I show you. You've been brought here so I can show you many things. Then you will return to the people of Israel and tell them everything you have seen. I could see a wall completely surrounding the temple area. The man took a measuring rod that was ten and a half feet long and measured the wall. And the wall was ten and a half feet thick and ten and a half feet high. And he went over to the eastern gateway, he climbed the steps and measured the threshold of the gateway. It was ten and a half feet front to back. And there were guard alcoves on each side built into the gateway passage. Each of these alcoves was ten and a half feet square with a distance between them of eight and three quarters feet along the passage wall. Gateway's inner threshold, which led to the entry room, at the inner end of the gateway passage was ten and a half feet front to back. He also measured the entry room of the gateway. It was 14 feet across with supporting columns three and a half feet thick. And this, measuring, or this entry room was at the inner end of the gateway structure facing toward uh, the temple. And so, Father, this evening as we have so many things on our mind right now, it's so easy to be distracted. All the plans that we have for this weekend all the things that we could be doing instead of here, um, wondering what other people are doing or just the things that we have going on. Lord, help us to clear all those things out of our mind. Help us to focus upon you. These important things that we see here, even though um, this event that we're going to be seeing is in the future, this thousand-year reign, this temple that Ezekiel, the priest without a temple, gets to see. He gets to see it in all of its detail, in all of its clarity. 
Lord, we ask that as we get to see just a little glimpse of it, that we'd realize that we're also temples of the Holy God. That our, that our hearts, that our lives are your temple. And that even now you are preparing something even more beautiful than this temple here in us. That we get the privilege of being able to share that with other people this weekend. And we get to share that with other people in our lives that we may meet. Um, that we may go to their house or they may come to our house. Lord, help us to be that example of a beautiful temple, the temple of God to those around us, Lord. We thank you so much for the privilege that we have to look into your word tonight. Teach us, direct us, speak to us clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This is one of those sections in the Bible that um, is very... Um, confusing, especially if you don't have a, a picture. You don't have a, you know, a, a, maybe a, a book to look at and, and actually see uh, the pictures that go along uh, uh, with that, unless you have a good imagination or you're an architect, right? You know, these are one of those sections in the Bible that this, actually this term, ten and a half, is going to be used more times in this nine chapter section than the entire Bible combined, uh, there, there's going to be numbers that are here uh, that we're going to get to see in the NLT uh, that kind of bring it to life in our understanding of measurement and numbers. But yet at the same time, those same numbers are going to hide truths that the Hebrews, the Israelites, the people that Ezekiel is talking to in this uh, section right here, they're going to understand a little bit better than us. Because they're going to hear it in terms like uh, cubits and spans and hen breaths and this rod that to us is ten and a half feet. But actually when you read it uh, in the New King James or another version that actually uses the word cubits, it's six cubits. But not a normal measurement of cubits. Uh, this is a royal cubit. A cubit that would only be used for the temple or for any royal uh, facilities like King Solomon's house or King David's house or, or a royal house. Because of course we all know uh, that uh, royalty always has bigger houses, right? In fact, their measurements were always uh, bigger than the normal cubit. You see, the royal cubit wasn't just a normal measurement. It was a cubit with an extra hand's breadth, or excuse me, span added to it. The width of a hand, three inches. So instead of being the normal 18 inches from the elbow uh, to the tip of your finger, it would actually be 21 inches. So this rod that is being represented here isn't just the normal nine foot six cubit rod. It is actually in reality seven cubits or six royal cubits. Do you, do you understand the measurement just a little bit better? What happens when the number seven is being used 
for the measurements of a temple. Where even the walls themselves are seven regular cubits wide, seven regular cubits high. A perfect square. Where, where every single time you see this ten and a half uh, feet, it actually representing a measurement of perfection. Where, where whenever you see these cubits that are being uh, used here in our own language, where the very gateways themselves are seven cubits wide, six royal cubits. Where, where the very entrance you're going into the presence of the last word that we read there, the temple. Now remember, Ezekiel is a priest without a temple, right? He was 30 years old when he was taken captive by the Babylonians. He was supposed to enter into service in the temple at the age of 30. But of course, what has happened to the temple? You all know, it's destroyed. He never once got to set foot into King Solomon's temple. He never once got to serve in the temple that he had been training for his whole life to do. But you know what Ezekiel gets to do? He gets to see the exact measurements of the millennial kingdom. He gets to see the exact measurements of the millennial temple. He, he gets to see it in all of its glorious uh, detail. He gets to see it with his own eyes. Now, many people, of course, whether it's the book of Revelation or, or the book of Ezekiel or the book of Daniel or, or various other apocalyptic parts of the scriptures, we see them as visions, right? Have you ever had a dream? I know all of you have had a dream before. But, but a dream where you wish you could remember the details. And normally that's not the case, right? What happens with a dream? It fades, right? It's very inexact. It's kind of ethereal, right? Can you imagine Ezekiel being in this vision and getting exact details down to the very smallest of Hebrew measurements. This isn't some uh, fly-by-night ethereal vision. No, this is an exact rendering of the temple itself. And Remember in the book of Revelation, we only get one verse, one verse on the millennial kingdom, that it's going to be a thousand-year reign. That's it. That's all we get. And now in the book of Ezekiel, we get nine chapters of detailed descriptions of what the millennial kingdom, the millennial temple will look like, uh, down to the very smallest of measurements. And of course, the two measurements, we talked about this last week, there is a, um, a pliable measurement, a, a cloth measurement, a cord, if you will, and then there's a solid measurement, a uh, complete measurement called a rod uh, that is going to be six royal cubits uh, long. Two different types of uh, measurements, and we'll see how that looks. In fact, in the book of Revelation, we also see the same exact rod being used. The same exact 
measurement of the measuring rod. I don't know if you had a yardstick when you were growing up. Uh, what, what's the measurement of a yardstick? Yeah, 36 inches or three feet, right? One yard, right? It has all these different measurements on it, and sometimes you use it for sewing or, or for various things. But, it, but it's something normally, unless you have the more advanced ones, or like the laser one that John was showing me last week, the, the, normally it's a fixed measurement. You, you can't bend it. You can't change the measurement, right? It's the same thing with this rod. It is a fixed measurement. It is a measurement that is to the exact standards of what it is like to measure the temple of God. In fact, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Then I was given a measuring stick, the same exact measuring stick that is six royal cubits long, seven regular cubits long. Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of of worshipers. Wow. Can you imagine that? Not, not only to see the temple in exact measurements, but the people that are there. Oh, what a worship that will be. Oh, oh, what a fellowship that will be. Where you get to talk to people, see people that do not even speak your own language and be able to understand them. People from every single tribe and tongue and nation represented there in heaven. All having one thing in common. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They know him personally. And they're there to worship uh, God himself. So this rod is ten and a half feet or uh, six royal uh, cubits uh, long. Every single one of the gateways, as we read here at the very last verse, this entry room was at the inner end of the gateway structure facing toward the... Where is everything facing toward? The temple. The very last word that's there. Can you imagine everywhere you enter, and there's going to be 12 of these gates, everywhere you enter, there's going to be an entrance that sees the temple that goes into the temple complex, where, where the center is the temple itself. It continues on there in verse 10, there were three guard alcoves on each side of the gateway passage. Each had the same measurements, and the dividing walls separating them were also identical. So it's a, a, you know, a similar uh, view of every single one of these guard complexes. The man measured the gateway entrance, which was 17 and a half feet wide at the opening and 22 and three quarters feet wide in the gateway passage. And in front of each of the guard alcoves, there was a 21 inch uh, curb. This is a royal a cubit, one a cubit. The alcoves themselves were ten and a half feet on each side. A, a six royal cubits or, or seven regular cubits uh, on each side. And then he measured the entire width of the gateway, measuring the distance between the back walls of the facing guard alcoves. This distance was 43 and three quarters feet. 
He measured the dividing walls all along the inside of the gateway up to the entry room of the gateway. This distance was 105 feet. The full length of the gateway passage was 87 and a half feet from one end to the other. And there were recessed windows that narrowed inward through the walls of the guard alcoves. And their dividing walls, there was also windows in the entry room. The surfaces of the dividing walls were decorated with carved palm uh, trees. Now, remember, Ezekiel was 30 when he entered into captivity. When he goes to Babylon, when not only does he have to leave his homeland, but he has to be taken 900 miles away. The temple he sees is destroyed. He sees the Spirit of God leave that very temple. He saw the priests that were in that temple worshiping the sun and the galaxy and, and the various parts of, of nature. The horrific view of those men that were supposed to be worshiping God bowing down to the sun itself. And now it is 25 years later. So 30 plus 25, he is about 55 years old now. This is Ezekiel, the priest without a temple, and he gets to see the Millennial Kingdom temple. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Does God reward faithfulness? Does God see the little things that you do. Does he see the obstinance of uh, uh, the Israelites and Ezekiel having to go to them for 25 years over and over and over again, literally having to lay on his left side, his right side, do these various things, eat the bread, roast it over dung, uh, and then eventually losing his wife to death and still having to be faithful. Does God see that? Yes, he does. He gets to see the millennial kingdom temple in all of its detail. Now, many people, they kind of get confused, especially, you know, since the book of Revelation, it only mentions the millennial kingdom temple once in one verse, a thousand year reign of, of Christ. In the book of Ezekiel, we see all these exact measurements. So where in the timeline of the future does this take place? Well, it just so happens. I got an illustration here. Now, many of you kind of, you know, know this. Uh, but literally, this happens right after the tribulation time period. And just like Ezekiel, he's been going through uh, a horrific time in his life. You see, the millennial kingdom comes right after the second advent of Christ or the second coming of uh, uh, Christ. This is, of course, seven years after the rapture of the church. This is right after the tribulation time period, right after, as we read in chapters 38 and 39, the battle of Armageddon, which takes place before uh, the millennial uh, kingdom and then, after this thousand-year reign, Satan and the beast and the false prophet, they're all going to be sent to hell. Thank God. 
But during this thousand-year reign of Christ, during this thousand-year time period, Satan is locked up. He, he, he's hindered. He is bound for a thousand years. And this is why when we read this section, why Christ is the center of the world. Why the Jerusalem, the Jerusalem of this time period is the center of the world. Why there'll be people from all over the world coming to the temple itself. In Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 17, it continues on. I'm glad that, you know, I, I know that you guys have seen pictures of this, and, and I'll show you more pictures in just a little bit. But the numbers are important. Because these numbers that are represented here are all measurements of uh, this cubit. When when you take that uh, royal cubit, that that yardstick or that uh, six royal cubit yardstick, convert it into seven uh, cubits, this, this term of divinity, and then multiply that by 10, you get 105 feet. Which is exactly, by the way, what we just saw in uh, the entrance to the gateway. The length of the gateway. 10 of these seven royal or seven cubits, six royal cubits. Verse 17, it continues on. Then the man brought me through the gateway into the outer courtyard of the temple. A stone pavement ran along the walls of the courtyard. And 30 rooms were built against the walls, opening onto the pavement. This pavement flanked the gates and extended out from the walls into the courtyard, the same distance as the gateway entrance. This was the lower pavement. And then the man measured across the temple's outer courtyard between the outer and the inner gates. The distance was 170 feet. The men measured the gateway on the north, just like the one on the east. And here too... There were three guard alcoves on each side. So every single side of the temple on the three sides that don't have the entrance, there's these guard alcoves, and we'll see what those are for in a little bit. All the measurements match those of the east gateway. The gateway passage was 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three quarters feet wide between the back walls of the facing Guard alcoves, the windows, the entry room, and the palm tree decorations were identical to those on the east gateway. There were seven steps leading up to the gateway entrance. And the entry room was at the inner end of the gateway passage. This passageway that is made up of ten, seven regular cubits with seven steps going up to it. Do you, do you see the measurements? Everything is pointing to a divinity. Everything is pointing to this perfect number. Verse 23, here on the north side, just as on the east, there was another gateway leading to the temple's inner courtyard directly opposite this outer gateway. The distance between the two gateways was 175 uh, feet. And again... 
Numbers can be confusing, especially if you're not into math or numbers or architecture. So it just so happens that I have a picture for you. You've probably seen these pictures before. Uh, but but you see here that this is a uh, yeah this is the 3D version of uh, the so you can see all these outer parts to it right there's a whole bunch of these rooms okay all symmetrical all square that go around the entire complex of the millennial kingdom uh, temple. And all these entrances that go into, uh, that they, they see the temple. When you first go through the tunnel, the first thing you see is the temple. The reason why you even came to uh, Jerusalem in the first place, to see the uh, tunnel. I don't know if you've ever driven through a, a tunnel, maybe in Yosemite, or, or maybe at Mount Rushmore. You, you drive through a tunnel, and what happens when you come out of that tunnel? You see God's cathedral. Right? You, you see the valley, right? You, you see those faces up there, whatever it is, right? And it's the same thing going through the entryway. What's the thing that you see when you come into out of the gateway. You see the temple itself. The center of this complex. There's a little. Uh, I'll show you better in just a little bit. But on the bottom right hand corner there. You see a, a rectangle. That's a, a football field. Okay. You, you see the immensity of it. And, and numbers really don't do it justice. Unless you're able to sketch it yourself. Uh, but but to imagine literally being at least 10 times bigger than an American football field. Uh, five, five stacked one on top of another. Two by five football fields. Can, can you imagine that? Just the immensity of this temple complex, and then to see it packed with people. People that are in love with their God, people that are in love with Jesus. It continues on there in verse 24. Keep this in mind as you're reading this. Then the man took me around the south gateway and measured its various parts. And they were exactly the same as the others. It had windows along the walls as the others did. And there was an entry room where the gateway passage opened into the outer courts. And like the other, the gateway passage was eight and a half feet long and 43 and three quarters feet wide between the back wall and entry room at the inner end and the, the palm tree decorations along the dividing walls. And here again, directly opposite the outer gateway was another gateway that led into the inner courtyard. The distance between the two gateways was 175 feet. And what do you see as you walk through the gateway? Whether it's the north, south, east, or west, doesn't matter. When you come in, what do you see? You see the temple. 
Then the man took me to the south gateway leading into the inner courtyard. He, he measured it, and it was the same measurements as the other gateways. It's a guard alcoves dividing uh, walls. The entry room were the same size as those in the others. It also had windows along its walls and in the entry room. And like the others, the gateway passage was, you probably already know this by heart, 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three quarters feet wide. The entry room and the gateways leading in the inner courtyard were 14 feet across and 43 and three quarters feet wide. The entry room to the southern gateway faced into the outer courtyard. It had the palm tree decorations on its columns and there were eight steps leading to its entrance. We'll talk about that number in a little bit. And then he took me to the east gateway leading to the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. Everything's symmetrical. Its guard, alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room were the same size as those of the others. And there were windows along the walls and in the entry room. The gateway passage measured 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three quarters feet wide. By the way, this is the fourth time we've seen this number here. Do, do you know what these numbers represent? What if you were to add 43 and three quarters together twice? You know what they would equal? You already know. 87 and a half, right? So, so this is exactly a rectangle, right? A, a perfect rectangle, a, a two-by-one rectangle where, where the, the length is exactly two times the width. We've seen it multiple times. Every single entryway is exactly the same. Not only is it made up of perfect squares, the walls, uh, ten and a half feet a tall, ten and a half feet wide, the measurement of seven regular uh, cubits. The entryway is exactly ten and a half feet long. And then each of these rooms that are exactly eighty-seven and a half feet by forty-three and three-quarters feet. Everything is uh, symmetrical in order. There is nothing out of order in this temple. For those of you that are, you know, um, uh, make sure that everything is perfect. This is the place for you, by the way. Uh, the exacting standards of the temple itself. By the way, going all the way back to the book of Exodus, when you read about the tabernacle, it has exact measurements. King Solomon's temple has exact measurements it's even more so in the millennial kingdom temple verse 35 then he took me around to the north gateway leading to the inner courtyard he measured it and it had the same measurements as the other gateways the guard alcoves dividing walls entry rooms the gateway had the same measurements as in the others and the same window arrangements can you imagine Ezekiel writing this down over and over and over and over and over again? Do you know why there's exact details? And by the way, this hasn't been built yet. This has not happened. 
We, we understand, as we, we talked about last week, that, that we believe in what is called a, a premillennial view where this has not happened yet. But Ezekiel gets to see it. This isn't some just, you know, ethereal vision. This is very, very exact. Why? The measurements are going to be to the very, very smallest of the Hebrew measurements. So, so that those in the future that see this event take place, they will know that prophecy is fulfilled. That they will see, and especially for the Jewish people that are going to be there at this time, to see the very temple itself, even greater than King Solomon's temple, and to know that God had been planning this temple, this complex, for thousands of years and had the Jews in mind to be there and that their true Messiah would be living amongst them. The very detail. Again, there's eight steps leading to this entrance. Verse 38, a door led from the entry room to one of the inner gate, uh, gateways into the side room where the meat for sacrifices was washed. On each side of the entry room were two tables where the sacrificial animals were slaughtered for the burnt offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. Outside the entry room on each side of the stairs going up to the north entrance were two more tables. And so there were eight tables in all. Again, this is the third time we've seen the word eight four inside, four outside, where the sacrifices were cut up and prepared. There were also eight or four tables of finished stone for preparation of the burnt offerings, each 31 and a half inches square, 21 inches high. On these tables were placed the butchering knives and the other implements for slaughtering the sacrificial animals. There were hooks, each three inches long, fastened all along the foyer walls. The fat sacrificial meat was laid on the tables. Can you imagine the exact measurements of the room, even down to the size of the hooks, the meat hooks? Now, I asked you this question last week, and I purposely didn't answer. Hopefully, you were able to kind of think about this this week. Why are there sacrifices? Have you ever wondered why we take communion? Maybe you came from a uh, Catholic background. And for a Catholic person, it literally represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. They, they become for, you know, Roman Catholics. And of course, we don't agree with that. We know what communion represents. It is a representation, right? It is a remembrance of what Christ did for us. So every time we take the communion, it is a remembrance. We're not rehashing a Jesus Christ crucifixion over again. He doesn't die again for us. How many times did Jesus Christ die? Once, the book of Hebrews says. The same thing with these sacrifices. Do you understand what these sacrifices are going to be for? 
It's to remember what Jesus Christ did for the Jews. Going all the way back, even to the Old Testament, even to Abel himself when he sacrificed those um, sheep or those animals to God. Do you know why he did it? The book of Hebrews says he did it on faith. Even though he didn't know about the Messiah, even though he never got to meet Jesus Christ personally, even though he never got to hear about the cross, why did he sacrifice? Why did Moses sacrifice? Why did Aaron sacrifice? Why did Abraham sacrifice? It was to look forward to what Jesus Christ would do for us and for them. When Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, died. He gave his own life, sacrifice, right? And so these sacrifices, as we're going to see, are representations of looking back now to the sacrificial work of the Messiah. It continues on there in verse 44. Inside the inner courtyard were two rooms, one beside the north gateway facing south and the other beside the south gateway facing north. And the man said to me, the room beside the north inner gateway is for the priests who supervise the temple maintenance. Who is this angel talking to? He's talking to Ezekiel, who is a priest without a temple and now he gets to see the temple complex where the priests get to live isn't that cool where, where these priests are going to get to live uh, that work in the uh, temple now you all know what tribe the priests come from right they come from the tribe of levi exactly and we know that also from the book of Exodus that they descended, they had to descend. Those that were the ones that actually got to go into the temple had to descend from Aaron himself. And here we get to see a little bit more detail of that starting in verse 44. Inside the inner courtyard were two rooms, one beside the north gateway facing south and the other beside the south gateway facing north. All these entrances face toward the temple. The man said to me, the man, room beside the northern inner gateway is for the priests who supervise the temple maintenance. Did you know that there's going to be maintenance on the temple? Wow. That th th all these sacrifices are going to have to be washed, as we saw earlier. That th the sacrifices that are being done... Uh, still have to be done properly. And then there's going to be cleanup. You see, going all the way back to the Old Testament again, book of Ezekiel or book of Exodus, there was three divisions in the Levitical tribe. Not all of them were priests. Did you know that? There was only a certain portion that were allowed to be priests. You know what the rest of them had to do? They had to do the hard labor. Yeah, they had to do the cleanup. They had to mow the, you know, the lawns. <clears throat> they, they had to, you know, do all the things behind the scenes with very, very little accolades. 
this is who we see here. They're the descendants of <clears throat> Zadok. The room beside the southern inner gate is for the priests in charge of the altar, the descendants of Zadok. For they alone of all the Levites may approach the Lord to minister to him. Then the men measured the inner courtyard and it was a square 175 feet wide, 175 feet across. The altar stood in the courtyard in front of the temple. And he brought me to the entry room of the temple and he measured the walls on either side of the opening to the entry of the room. And they were eight and three quarters feet thick. The entrance itself was 24 and a half feet wide and the walls on each side of the entrance were an additional five and a quarter feet long. The entry room was 35 feet wide and 21 feet deep. There were 10 steps leading up to it with a column on each side. So we see the gateway, the first gateway that we saw had seven steps and the other three gateways all have eight steps. And then now going into the temple itself, there's 10 steps. Chapter 41, after that, the man brought me into the sanctuary of the temple. He measured the walls on either side of its doorway, and they were ten and a half feet thick. Again, seven cubits. The doorway was seventeen and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of it were eight and three quarters feet long. The sanctuary itself was 70 feet long and 35 feet wide. We've seen the outer complex, all those rooms, all those rectangular rooms. And now we walk up those 10 steps into the temple, into what is called the holy place. This is the entryway into the temple. And again, it is a perfect rectangle this is easier to figure out 35 by 70 35 plus 35 equals 70 so this entryway this holy place where you walk up these 10 steps into uh, the temple the holy place where the priests of Zadok walked talked and sacrificed to God this is one of the most amazing places, especially if you read the Old Testament views of the tabernacle, King Solomon's temple, and then the temple that Ezra and Nehemiah are going to have the privilege of building. You see, there's always a place where the priests would enter into the temple. And then there was another place in the far back called the holy of holies you see there was the outer courtyard there was the temple entryway this holy place and then there's going to be the inner part or the holy of holies all the priests could enter the holy place you know what was in there yeah this was well no that's the holy of holies the the holy place had the table of showbread the, the, that place where the bread was made literally fresh every single day. This is the bread that was given to David when he was running away. And there, there was also a menorah there. Seven candlesticks that were part of a single 
uh, structure. So the, the single uh, support with seven lampstands that came off of it. This menorah. And every single day, not only did the bread have to be made, but those wicks had to be trimmed. The oil had to be refilled. That this oil that was to an exacting measurement that God gave them the formula for. And you remember what would happen if they didn't do it correctly. Remember two of Aaron's sons, right? They tried to do it drunk. But then, verse 3. And every single one of these, by the way, Ezekiel is entering into these various places with this angel, okay? Every single place, except for now in verse 3. He gets to see the courtyard. He gets to see all the gateways. He gets to see all the outer complexes. He gets to go up those 10 steps. He gets to go into... Uh, the holy place, by the way, he was never allowed to do that because he was too young when he was before the age of 30, before he was captured, okay? So he never got to do that with King Solomon's temple. And now, verse 3, this is what we see. Then he went beyond the sanctuary into the inner room. And this, as we'll see, is the Holy of Holies. It is a much smaller room. He measured the walls on either side of its entrance, and they were three and a half feet thick. Wow. That, 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 is, that is amazing. Just the thickness itself. By the way, this is uh, two royal cubits in perfection, okay? This is a, a regular cubit with a span added to it, three inches added to it, 21 inches, 21 inches plus 21 inches is three and a half feet thick. The entrance was 10 and a half feet wide. Remember that seven cubits or those six royal cubits, the one rod. Everything's to exacting measurements. And the walls on each side of the entrance were 12 and a half feet long. The inner room of the sanctuary was 35 feet long by 35 feet wide. And this, he told me, is the most holy place. The holy of holies. The place where only one priest, one time a year, could enter into. Can you imagine that? This priest without a temple gets to see the millennial kingdom temple. That is going to last much longer than King Solomon's temple. King Solomon's temple only lasted approximately 400 years. That was it. He gets to see in exact measurements a temple that's going to be here for a thousand years. And he gets to see it. Revelation chapter 11 verse 19 it says this, then in heaven, the temple of God was opened. John got to see the temple too, by the way. This is a different temple. This is the temple in heaven itself. And the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. 
lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. I don't know if you've seen movies about, you know, the temple or the ark or, or various things that people sometimes can take out of context. The Ark of the Covenant isn't in a warehouse somewhere. Did you know that? The, the Ark of the Covenant isn't lost. Do you know where it's at right now? The Bible tells us. Where is it at? It says it right there. Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. It's in the temple of God was opened and the Ark of His Covenant could be seen inside the temple. Where is it at? Where is the Ark of the Covenant? In heaven. Wow. Now, this temple that we see here, the Millennial Kingdom Temple, this Holy of Holies, this place that's 35 feet by 35 feet, there is no Ark of the Covenant in it. The Ark of the Covenant isn't there. Do you know why? There, there's another name for the Ark of the Covenant, by the way. Yeah, say it louder. The mercy seat, exactly. Do you understand why there's no Ark of the Covenant? There's going to be mercy and grace all around. Satan is locked up during this time. Jesus reigns during this time here on the earth. Wow. The, the privilege that Ezekiel gets to see this, it continues on there in chapter 41, uh, verse 5. Then he measured the wall of the temple. It was ten and a half feet. Uh, think that, that number that's used more times in these nine chapters than anywhere else in the entire Bible. There was a row of rooms along the outside walls. Each room was seven feet wide. These side rooms were built in three levels, one above the other, with 30 rooms on each level. The supports for these side rooms rested on exterior ledges on the temple wall. They did not extend into the wall. Each level was wider than the one below it, corresponding to the narrowing of the temple wall as it rose higher. These rooms literally matched the wall in terms of how it was uh, designed so that they matched perfectly into the wall. All the archaeological or excuse me, architectural uh, details are to exacting standards. The, the, the privilege of being able, especially for Ezekiel, having to deal with chaos from the Jews day in and day out and now getting to see order. And to see a millennial kingdom where the Jews actually want to listen to God, where they have hearts that are pliable, that are no longer hard, where they, they want to worship God again. Ezekiel gets to see that. Verse 8, I saw that the temple was built on a terrace, which provided a foundation for the side rooms. This terrace was... Ten and a half feet high. 
The outer wall of the temple side rooms was eight and three quarters feet thick. This left an opening area between these side rooms and the row of rooms along the outer wall of the inner courtyard. This open area was 35 feet wide and went all around the temple. Uh, two doors opened from the side rooms into the terrace yard, which was eight and three quarters feet wide. One door faced north and the other south. A large building stood on the west facing the temple courtyard. It was 122 feet high and 157 and a half feet long, and its walls were eight and three quarters feet thick. Then the man measured the temple, and it was 175 feet long. <clears throat> the courtyard around the building, including its walls, was an additional 175 feet in length. And by the way, if you add this 70 uh, plus this uh, 35, which is only 105 feet, but all the extending parts of it, it adds up to 175 uh, feet in length. The inner courtyard to the east of the temple was also 175 feet wide. The building to the west, including its two walls, was also 175 feet wide. The sanctuary, the inner room, the entry room of the temple were all paneled with wood, as were the frames of the recessed windows. The inner walls of the temple were paneled with wood above and below the windows. The space above the door leading into the inner room and its walls inside and outside were also paneled. All the walls were decorated with carvings of cherubim, each with two faces. And there was a carving of the palm tree between the, each of the uh, cherubim. I don't know what your house looks like. But if you've ever been to downtown uh, courtrooms or the court, you know, the court system, that they have wood paneling on the inside, right? What's the purpose of the wood paneling? It looks a lot nicer than paint, right? It, it, it's something that's, you know, natural that's brought into a, a living area or a area of business. Can you imagine this temple that is completely paneled with this wood? And then on uh, the wood, there's the carvings of the cherubim. By the way, these are the same cherubim that we saw all the way back in chapters 1 and 10. Those cherubim with the four faces and then, of course, being on a uh, 2D surface, they can only show two of the faces that are on those cherubim. But, but can you imagine just the, the pictures, the amazing views? And, and then you ask yourself, even all the way back in uh, the tabernacle, King Solomon's temple as well, they weren't allowed to put any images on the temple. But were there still cherubim in the temple itself? Oh, yes. On the Ark of the Covenant. There was two what? Cherubim, exactly, that were facing each other, exactly. There, there was also the pomegranates and all the various trees that were in uh, the very temple itself that were drawn on the walls. And do you know what the priests had on the bottom of their robes? They had bells interspersed with pomegranates. So that when they would walk, every time they would walk, there would be this, you know, tinkling sound. 
as they were serving in uh, the temple. So this paneling that's on this walls, these trees that are drawn on these cherubims that are drawn on them, it says in verse uh, 18 there, and we'll be ending it here, and there was a carving of a palm tree between each of the cherubim. One face, that of a man, looked toward the cherubim on one side. The other face, that of a young lion, looked toward the palm tree on the other side. Figures were carved all along the inside of the temple, from the wall to the top of the walls, including the outer wall of the sanctuary. There were square columns at the entrance to the sanctuary, and the ones at the entrance to the most high place were similar, were all made of wood. This, the man told me, is the table that stands in the Lord's presence. This table where the various, and we see this also all the way back in King Solomon's temple as well, this table that was used for not only the showbread, but also for the sacred utensils that were used. These utensils that were used for the various parts of the lampstand, what are called the snuffers. You've probably seen them before. They look like a a poker on on it's a it's a rod with on one side it has a wick that could be lit and on the other side it has a, some, some sort of a bell that could be used to put out the fire all, all these various holy implements that are here verse 23 both the sanctuary and the most high place had double doors now this is different from the temple previously, you remember that there was a different sort of barrier between the holy place and the holy of holies. In fact, it was ripped when Jesus died. Remember, it was a veil. And how was that veil torn? From top to bottom. Now we see doors. They're, they're made out of wood. Each with two swinging doors. The doors leading into the sanctuary were decorated and carved with cherubim and palm trees just as on the walls. And, and there was a wooden roof at the front of the entry room to the temple. On both sides of the entry room were recessed windows decorated with carved palm trees. The side rooms along the outside also had uh, roofs. Now we saw a, an overview previously in, in the first map that I showed you, but I just, before we go, I wanted to show you one last view. This is a kind of a, a cutout view, uh, a, a view that if you were to be able to take a, um, an inner picture of the temple itself, you, you see there's multiple rooms on both sides, and then you have uh, the entryway there at the bottom that had the doors, and there's two sets of these, one for the entryway, and then the other that goes into the Holy of Holies. One that goes into the holy place, and one goes those into the Holy of Holies. You can see how massive uh, this is. In fact, that height there is 45 feet tall. And the width, of course, is, is 20 uh, cubits or about 30 feet uh, wide, 45 by 30. Uh, th th this is massive. This is bigger than any of the previous uh, temples. In fact, just before we go, there's one last uh, picture I wanted to show you. It's at the very end there. 
This is a comparison of all the temples. You see the Millennial Kingdom temple, that's the big one. Then you see King Solomon's temple, and you also see an American football field. I don't know why it's always compared to American football field, but it's kind of easy. I mean, you know, it's what we understand, 100 yards, right? You know, it's 300 feet. It's easy to kind of compare to. Do you see the massiveness of this? Even compared to King Solomon's temple, by the way, King Solomon's temple was majestic, was splendid. The, the people loved their temple. They were proud of their temple. People came from all over the world to see the temple that King Solomon built. Do you know how much more majestic the Millennial Kingdom temple will be? Wow. And then to understand that there will be the privilege of knowing that Jesus Christ will be living in the midst. That the Messiah will reign for a thousand years. That Satan will be bound for a thousand years. This will be the center of the world. People will come from all around the world. Just to see the temple itself. Now the question is for us today, especially the day before Thanksgiving, right? Do you understand that you're a temple too? And who lives in your temple? Do you, have, do you have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit live in you? In fact, just in two more chapters, we're going to see the Holy Spirit return to this temple. Remember, Ezekiel saw the Holy Spirit leave, and, and now we get to see him return to a physical place. But we have the privilege of knowing the Holy Spirit personally every single day. Tomorrow, I don't know where you're going to be at. You might be at your house or other people's houses, relatives and all the things that go on. You know, there's always drama. But who do you represent? Who do you have in you? You are a temple of the Holy God. And guess what? By the way, you're more beautiful to God than a physical place. You are. You have the privilege of representing God to those that you meet tomorrow. And on Friday, you know, if you go out or whatever, you know what that day is, right? You know, and all the other things that happen this time of year. You are a representation of Jesus Christ. So be a temple in the place you are. We'll pick it up again next week in chapter 42. I, I know there's a lot of details here, and I, I appreciate your patience. Thank you for being faithful in coming tonight. Dear Father, I uh, come before you knowing uh, that it's so easy to be distracted this time of year. It's so easy to be carried away with so many different things, and, and a lot of them are, are, are good. But Lord, help us as we focus upon those things that are superior, those things that are better. It's always you. That when we are sharing tomorrow, whether it's the things that we're grateful for, or, or just all the, the things that we have to do, that we would be willing and able to share you. 
that you are the best thing that we have in our lives, that you are what makes us who we are, Christians. So Lord, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your sacrifice to us so that we could have a relationship with you. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit who not only lives within us, but gives us the strength and endurance every single day that, that is the comforter, the one who comes along beside, uh, beside us, the paraclete, and who's there in our times of need, who gives us the gifts, who chooses what gifts to give us, who all does it in perfect order, and it's all to build up the body of Christ, the temple, the body of who you are. And so, Lord, I ask you, bless these, my friends, my family today. That as we go out from this place, that we wouldn't be the same as we entered in. We would glorify you. And we would live for your glory. Lord, we ask that you use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.